Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode 30 of Something to Scream About. Now, we've, met, yeah, we've reached the same age as I am, and it's getting sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm 31. I'm 31 next week. Anyway. I'm still in my 20s, let's, guys. It's, you know, I'm still in front of the podcast at this stage. Um, yeah, very big episode uh, because we're joined by a third who's member this, on the couch. Who's this <laughs> mysterious third person next to Yes, us? yeah. So this is Brody. So for those hey watching watching in full crystal clear HD on any of our YouTube or Spotify platforms, you'll see beautiful HD, Brody's face. Um, what's up? Nice and clear. So yeah, what's so up, Brody? Let's let him hey. intro himself. Yeah. Brody. Hey guys, I'm Brody. I um I've just joined Disorder Views. I met the guys only recently, um, a couple months ago, and I love what they were doing and similar genre to what I'm doing. So I just it kind of just happened naturally, perfectly. And, and what are you? What what are you instrument are you playing? Well, I'm doing I guess guitar and production is Woo! the main thing. So that's yeah. right. Yeah. This young lad also produces. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> Everyone that joins the damn band's a producer. producer. Yeah. All right. So it is what it is. Three yeah. cooks in the kitchen, why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be some weird meals coming out, but be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> There's no head chef here. We're all yeah. just line workers. Well, that's that's something you know that we we were super impressed by by you, Brody. You. Is like your Thanks. production and the the level that you bring. So yeah, guys, stay tuned for for more on Brody because we want to go a little bit more in depth and find out some more about him. Uh, maybe in future episodes. Yeah. Awesome. So what are we talking about in this one, Jordy? Well. Today we're joined by a special guest, Justin um, from I love how we, Tala. <laughs> I love how we always have to like. It feels like we're introing it, but it's always in the title of yeah, the Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not like, it feels like this reveal, but it's like anyone that's read the title knows. You should it, like, know exactly what's going hey on. Hey guys, you we have a secret it. guest on today. If you've <laughs> yeah. read the title, you know who it is. <laughs> you clicked on it. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're talking about ways to diversify ourselves as musicians. Um, in this day and age, it's very difficult to be making money purely off music, especially if you're in a project which has five dudes sharing the income and labels um, taking all your money <clears throat> what yeah yeah <laughs> and ridiculous cuts everywhere but anyway merch, oh, but merch cuts are oh yeah going away now right yeah, oh, yeah well so not every venue but yeah yeah some right. people have started to to go the, the venues other way. that are, d are doing no merch cuts are going to be getting a lot more bands go through them so that's going to that's it them. so it's going to it's basically the demand for people wanting no merch cuts is just going to go up and up and up so then yeah. everyone's going to Take the cake, so it's going to be much better. People power, yeah, um, yeah. So, but yeah, things like that. Um, you know, diversifying yourself as a musician, you need to be included in merch stuff, and you need to be included in not just like your music, but maybe teaching on the sides or doing some other personal Twitch streaming stuff or tutorials or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, and you know, you guys are fans of Justin, me uh, fairly newer, so I guess, like I'm still I coming to I think I showed him, you but... their stuff for the first time on our YouTube reaction video and you were like, what the hell is going on here? They were rolling on the floor. I must admit that probably was, yeah, the, my reaction first. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I'm, I'm a new fan. I'm getting to know and appreciate different people and musicians and the way that they do things. So like, I'm pumped to hear what Justin has to say today on all of these different things. He's obviously a professional in the scene and um, we want want to basically pick his brain and help share some knowledge um, and see what, what we can uh, help you guys with. Yeah. But, but as I was saying, you guys know him um, a little bit better. Brody, Brody you actually, you've, had, you've been having yeah. some lessons with Justin, is that right? Yeah, a few years now. I've, um, I reached out to him 
2020, I think, and I've been taking lessons for that long. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. 2021, that, sorry. That was, but still, yeah. And that's yeah, vocal yeah. lessons? It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, you know. So yeah. we're just going to have three vocalists in the band, three producers. Yeah. At least no one else is a drummer <gasps> just yet. I totally nearly <laughs> revealed something I shouldn't have then. Lucky I did it. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we got secrets so in, the, in the back pocket. I do have a filter somewhere in my brain. <laughs> Um, yeah, but just to touch on that again, so it's 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 being in um, current day, being a musician, you have to be able to make a revenue of income in multiple different ways. You can't just rely on only playing these days. Um, playing live definitely can get you paid if you sell tickets, but in the meantime, uh, whilst you're in between tours and in between shows, um, diversifying by doing Twitch streams like Jordan said, you can get donations, you can do tutorials, Patreon is a big one. Mm. Um, we know Justin has one, which we'll get to plug later in the show. Um, and yeah, or, or, or teaching, teaching drums, teaching guitar, teaching vocals, things like this. That's something I want to get into once I feel like I'm at a level that I and proud enough that I feel like I could charge for my services mm. at that. I'm, I could teach producing. I'm happy for that. But like yeah. vocals or guitar, maybe a bit, bit more better yeah. to go yet. That's right. You want to build like, you, you know, a name for yourself as a musician, not just, oh, hey, you're just that dude from that band. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like you want to, you're an artist. You want to be able to express yourself in different ways. And um, I just think that, you know, this day and age, you're just really not going to be as successful as you might want to be if you don't start spreading your wings a little bit and finding some more things to do. You definitely got to go the extra mile nowadays, I think. There's so much competition, it's very saturated. So you need to really be unique and stand out and go that extra mile of doing a bunch more than just writing. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe without further ado, we should just jump straight on into the conversation. Um, we'll we'll join you again afterwards to to wrap it up. But let's head into the conversation with Justin. Something to scream about. Welcome, guys. So we got Justin here from the band Tala and his solo project Hungry Lights and all the other thousands of projects he's got. How are you, Justin? I am even better than last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely not the second time. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming. No, no, no. On, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's so good. Love the cat in the background. That's good. And yeah. the oh, pole. oh, that's oh, that's Stella Luna. Is, yeah. is she gonna go on the pole or like? <laughs> um, so, you'd be surprised. She's a weird cat. <laughs> She's old though. She just turned 17, 16. Wow. Oh, wow. 15. Damn. I don't know. I got her when I was 17 and I'm 33. So wow. whatever yeah. 33 minus 17 is, that's how old she is. That's nuts. Yeah, wow. That's awesome, cool. Man. She's she's like using all of her nine lives. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she doesn't act. She doesn't act like a kid or like a cat. She acts like a kitten. Oh, the yeah, only yeah. reason you can even tell she's old is if you pick her up, you can see she's got like cataracts in her eyes. Yeah, cataracts. Sure. Oh, oh god. Yeah. And I thought I was the dad joke king. That was really it. <laughs> yeah, bro. We're um we're super pumped to have you on the podcast. Um, today uh, in the show we're talking about uh, basically diversifying ourselves as artists. Um, and and the different ways in which we can do that, and then also why that's important, because um, we feel like in this day and age, like it's it's almost impossible to make money as part of a band just solely off your music. Um, mm -hmm. And and you also want to try and make a name for yourself as a as an independent musician and try and you know showcase other areas of your life as well. So we felt like you might have some awesome things to share on that. Do you have um, a kind of? Do you want to go through quickly the types of things that you do 
um, yeah. broadly in terms of music? So in terms of music, like, wait, like financially or just like what I do involving music? I guess, I guess, but like all of it, um, both financially and stuff that you do for free, because that's also part of it, you know, it's, it's building you, you as a person, you know, so yeah, go for it, bro. Oh man, there's a lot. Like, I think I got into music when I was like, I don't know, 10. That's when I started playing guitar. I never thought it would be like a career or anything. It was just like, I wanted to learn how to play an instrument. And my mom was like, okay, you can play guitar. And I was like, I want to play trumpet. And she's like, girls don't like trumpets. You can play guitar. (laughs) So learn how to play guitar. Just, I think when I was like, 16 I started like recording my own stuff and it was terrible because the technology in 2006 was like nowhere near where it is now like I had like one of those physical like 30 pound eight tracks Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you you couldn't just go on your computer so I didn't have it like it sounded like garbage and I still wasn't like I didn't ever think I was going to be like you know who I am today so yeah, I like went to college for graphic design and I had like a band on the side and like I was still super into the band, but I was like, I want to just make music. Like I just love music and I want to participate in that. And like, you know, it's like, like a, if you're like a, like an illustrator, like you might not want to be a professional artist. You just want to draw stuff and make it look mm-hmm. awesome. So it was like that with music. And I think it was around 2000. 13 I started my first YouTube channel and I was just doing covers and uploading originals and it like it popped off I won a couple of like Jared Dines's like vocal contests and stuff like that and then I ended up getting super depressed and deleting that channel around like 50,000 subscribers it was called Amneon yeah and it like it, it was just really hard I was like 24 at the time and it's like people are ruthless on the internet when it comes oh, to yeah, criticism sure. and feedback. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just couldn't handle it back then. So I deleted it and then like started over under a new name to like kind of like clean slate it. And that was when I really started like taking it seriously and doing it more as a career than like just like, hey, check out what I can do. Like I started really focusing on how can I market this so that more people listen to it and not just covers. Like what can I do to draw attention to this project? And covers was like the easiest way because everyone loves covers. Everyone watches covers and looks them up. So I'm like, if I can find a way to stand out when I'm doing covers, people will look at me instead of someone else's covers, started bringing people in, directed them over to like hungry lights. And then that started growing. And I was like, I need more People always ask me what vocal techniques I'm doing. So I made a scream tutorial and it got like 3 million views or something. And it was like, I kind of realized, okay, between covers and originals and teaching people vocals, I could like make an actual career out of this. So I started doing that for several years before Tala finally reached out and was like, hey, want to be our vocalist? And I was like, yeah, I want to be your vocalist. (laughs) Instrumentals are great. Really yeah, nice. it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll de- I'll definitely let Max know because he writes all the instrumentals for uh, Tala. Yeah. But Tala, I'd say we really don't make that much money yet, and it's just because we're still such a small band. Like we're not on like a massive label. We've got some you know monthly listeners, but we are on a label, so that has to go back to like you know the money the label gives us to make a record or whatever. So it's yeah. like you make more money as a solo artist because 
all the stuff I do, it all goes to me. Patreon, it all goes to me. Vocal lessons, it all goes to me. And rather than having like, like what's that quote? Like don't put all your eggs in one basket or something yep. like that. Mm. Rather than just having this one thing that you're trying to do to make money off, you just have a bunch of little things and they all kind of get sort of like bigger instead of one huge thing getting bigger. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't have to get a job now because – all yeah. these little things are trickling in and I'm like, wow, I can pay my rent now. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah I've seen essentially it's – I've talked about it as being like uh, lots of rivers, like little rivers going into one massive lake instead of you trying yeah. to fish out of one little pond. You've got little mini income streams coming but accumulatively they end up supporting you financially, which is great. And to uh, go off what you said there as well, I can kind of see it being – you're using the band as the staple of your professionalism and a staple of what you guys can do and what your skill set is. And then you're using that as like a promotion to then diversify into other income streams like what you said, go 100% to you and you're not splitting it between five band members and then the label cuts and then reinvesting back into future projects. Every time mm -hmm. we've made money with a sort of views, it just goes straight back in the bank account and when we promo the next song the money that we made from the last song, just it just goes back in. We don't actually... Yep. I don't think we've ever paid ourselves from anything. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. And, and like, it, it does that for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ta Tala is... We, we just finished our second, like, headline tour, and we're not playing, like, you know, 600-cap venues. We're playing, like, 300-cap venues, and sometimes we get, like, 300 people. Sometimes we get 150. Sometimes we get, like, 30. It really depends where we're playing. Yeah. Merch sales, obviously, are how you're going to make your money. But if you spend $4,000 to buy the merch you're going to sell, well, now you have to make all that back before you even break even. So many people drop ship now. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's definitely hard. I'd say when it comes to paying ourselves in Tala, it's from Patreon most of the time. It's from the yeah. fans supporting us there. And we're like, all right, we break even when we tour, but we got this money on Patreon that we can split between the five of us because it's Tala's Patreon and the fans are giving it to us to support us. Yeah. So that's probably the best way right now is having some sort of like support system. That way, when you are on that stage where you're just spending money to put stuff back in the band and it just keeps recycling, having that external thing that's like, well, this just goes to us now is everything. Yeah, definitely. You need to have that kind of business mindset. And a lot of people that we've found like join bands and projects and think that once they join that, that's it. They're just going to make it and go off. It sounds like you realized quite early that it's like more about trying to think business-minded and kind of mm -hmm. preserving yourself and going like the band may not work out. I might not be in this band forever, but I want to do music forever and I want to make this a career in whatever form or like way that we can. Um, mm -hmm. I know like we might we might as well move into like a little bit on your your side of Patreon and like your your teaching and things like this and you do you do one-on-ones with, with Brody, which is cool. Mm -hmm. So um, just things like this, man, what sort of... Uh, what got you into that, and why? Why do you think that's an important part of your uh, part of your routine? I guess in the music industry. Oh, that's a fantastic question. So, I, I guess, like, I was never into like being a vocal coach. Like when I first started doing vocals in general, it was like I just did it and it was right and I was like this is cool like I'm naturally good at this thing and as I got older like my voice changed and I had to learn new things to like kind of compensate for that and then I think it was like 2013 or 2014 on my first channel I made like 
just a small little screaming tutorial. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it sounds good and I can do it for hours without issues. So I know it's right. And it got like a couple hundred thousand views. And then, like I said, I deleted that channel. So when I made the Hungry Lights channel, I was like, I should do that again, but like better quality and longer and more information. And then that one exploded. And I still didn't really know what I was doing. It was just like, hey, I know how to get you to make this sound. So you fast forward to 2020, Tala was uh, recording, I think it was Matrifagy. And it was like right before the uh, pandemic happened. Like we recorded that album in like January and I think the pandemic happened in like March. So it was like, okay, how do I make money now that like, no one is making money and like you can't go out and like do a job. And so when it was, uh, when we were at the studio, I remember, uh, Josh Schroeder, he's the guy that like produces the albums when we were getting ready to record vocals. He's like, all right, Justin, go warm up. And I was like, I don't warm up. And he's like, you do today. I want you to sound as good as possible. And it was weird because I had gone like 12 years or something like without ever warming up. I was one of those people that's just like, I just go on stage cold. My first song is my warm up. So I went into like Studio B with our guitarist, Derek, and he was like, I'll show you how to warm up because he took like Ken Tamplin's vocal course and he just showed me some really simple warm ups. And then I went and started recording the vocals and I was like, wow, like this, I sound the way I sound right now. Usually it takes me like an hour to sound that good. And this was like, just like immediately. And I was like, you know what? I should probably start actually paying attention to stuff like this. And so after that, I started really doing research on what I was doing and I started taking classical singing lessons a year later to like really reinforce it from like a master and make sure like, yes, this is correct information and here's the myths. And then it was like, I think, I think 2020, I started just like teaching vocals, but like subtly, like I would just throw it in my descriptions of my like YouTube videos, but I wouldn't say anything. So every once in a while, a student would hit me up and be like, Hey, do you, I saw you teach lessons. So I was only teaching like a handful of people, like maybe like 10, 11 students, but like they were kind of the Guinea pigs. I'm like, if I can teach these people how to scream and they sound good, then I know people are going to take me seriously. So then I start making videos and mentioning it more. And eventually I was like, okay, you know, it's been three years. I know I'm a good teacher. I'm going to make a course. And then that's where like my Patreon side of things came where I was like, I'm going to make this course by myself. I'm going to film it. I'm going to edit it, make sure everything's correct. And then I'm going to make it cheap as fuck. So that anybody who can't afford lessons is just like, "Mm." yeah, it's like 20 bucks. And like by doing that, you're kind of helping to create this whole new generation of vocalists. Like I, yeah. I struggle to find people who don't know who you are now, who are doing vocals. It's kind of crazy. I can't even tell you how many times like we've played with other bands or just like fans came up to me, like different vocalists, different fans. They come up and they're like, I learned how to scream because of your videos. And I'm just like, like I could be responsible for like the next huge band being like, hey, I'm the best vocalist in the world right now because of your videos. And I'd be like. Yes. You're not putting yeah. up that paywall, you know what I mean? You know you know your self-worth and you know that you need to make it, uh, this is a great fine line to walk because you're like, hey, this knowledge I've accumulated is years and years and years of dedication and practice. Mm-hmm. So you know you have to charge for it. You deserve to get paid and you deserve to have a career and income and support 
you know, yourself and family and stuff like that. But at the same time, you're not being egotistical and being like, oh, I'm $500 a lesson. There's other vocal teachers, will not name who they are. Oh, oh, I, I know I'm, exactly I'm, who you're talking I'm, about. <laughs> <laughs> I hit them up for a lesson and I'm like, yo, I was like, you are not worth that kind of money, my G. I was like, I can't, I can't justify that. I was like, I got a home loan to pay. No, um, it's like, yeah. it, I don't, I don't know if any, like I, when I see people selling a vocal chorus for like $300 or $500 for private lessons, I'm like, I wouldn't pay that. So I wouldn't charge that. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I was talking to Brody about this like a few days ago. Cause I know he's just getting into like, you know, mixing people's stuff for them. And I'm like, you should get paid for that. And like, I was telling him when I first started teaching vocals, it was like dirt cheap. I charged like $30 an hour. And I was just like, I was like, cause no one really knows if I'm a good teacher yet. They've only seen a couple videos. I don't even know if I can teach people. Like I had, I actually took a whole class on how to teach, like how to be a teacher online yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's a whole thing into, you have to make the student feel a certain way so that they continue doing it. Otherwise they're not going to be able to learn it. And then you're going to feel like a shitty teacher because you couldn't teach it to them. Yeah. So there's like a very specific way that you have to, treat your students so yeah. that they respect you but so also that they are learning from you and they're also gonna do the work and then learn and then they're gonna go tell other people and be like yeah like i actually can do this because of justin or you know well, whoever funny piggybacking off that i mean i mean i already knew you did lessons but as soon as brody was like i'm doing lessons i'm like I don't know why I could. I was like, I'm going to do lessons too. And then we have this other dude that I know that I won't spoil. I have another dude <laughs> that I just got him to buy your Patreon, and I said hit him up for a lesson. Yeah. And then so now I've got I've onboarded somebody else. So that's three people. Yeah. It's like just from just from that. It's just like it just that's how it works, man. Yeah. Like it's about mm -hmm. making making the student feel excited about the instrument and go home and want to be like improving themselves and making them better. Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, you, like charging a really low amount for it um, is such a such a good idea because it also puts yourself back in their shoes like when you were first learning and going like this is more accessible for me. So then you actually have the ability to purchase the course and then can get better at it. So you're helping the next generation, like we already said, just coming up and giving it to more ears. Um, exactly. Is that something that like brings you a lot of meaning now um, to your life and to your work as a vocalist? Because like for, for myself in my teaching endeavors, seeing students go on and do great things or hearing that things that I've done have helped them in their journey like that initially didn't feel like it was going to be very meaningful, but down the track, it's turned out to be a really big motivator in music. Do you find something similar? Yeah, I'd say it's been like a really weird mix of feelings for me. Obviously, when I first started teaching, it was just because I was like, I have to, I got bills to pay and this is a skill that I'm good at. And what I noticed was in the beginning, I definitely had, not even in the beginning, just like that's when I noticed it, I guess, but I had students and I would notice if they were struggling I would spend so much extra time helping them, even if I don't have to. Like, you know, they'll buy the lesson and they'll work with me for, you know, a half an hour, an hour or whatever. And then they'll like message me after and be like, how does this sound? And I'm like, try doing this, try doing this. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, three hours go by and they've made a ton of progress. And I'm like, I'm just doing this for free at this point because I want to see them succeed. I'm like, yeah. I'm exactly the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
And the more, and I think I started doing it even more as my lessons got more popular because it was like more students, but I was like, well, I'm making more than enough money right now. So I don't have to charge for this extra stuff. Like, I'm like, you paid me not just for the lesson. You paid me for all this information and my time, like on the Patreon course, you know, they're not taking one-on-one lessons. So that's part of the reason it's so cheap. Cause I'm like, I already made this course. You watch the videos, you don't get the immediate feedback, but I'm like, well, it's a monthly subscription. So feel free to message me and send me what you're doing. And I'm happy to listen to it for free and be like, yeah, fix this, fix this, fix this, because you're paying for it. You're already there. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I love how you tell people off if they skip a video. yeah that's that's so important (laughs) because i I started making the um i started making that course after i started taking drawing lessons i started back in like february and i didn't make this course until like i think like a couple like maybe a month or two later but something because i bought like a 400 dollars art course but it worked and the reason it worked is because the guy i think his name was mark brunette was like don't skip ahead spend time on this i like don't move forward until you can do this and so i was like okay and then i just noticed i was like i'm getting so good at this so quickly because i just listened to what the teacher had to say rather than being like eh, i think i got it i'm gonna go ahead yeah Yeah. definitely it really makes a huge difference yeah. And then I should also mention, so I come from like a family of teachers, like my grandpa, his, both of his brothers, my grandma, their whole lineage, like going back, they were all like college professors and stuff like that. So I'm like, maybe it's just something in me that makes me enjoy teaching because I'm like, totally. you it's are, not even just vocals. <laughs> Anything I learn, I'm like, I want to teach other people this because so many times I struggled. Like, I think I might've told Brody this a while ago, but like when I first started doing vocals, I could do them, but I didn't sound that great. And it took like six years before I sounded like professional. And I was like, okay, people will take me seriously now. So I'm like, why would I have someone else spend six years doing that when I could tell them exactly what they need to do? And now they just need to put in the time. And then maybe in like two years, they'll sound that good. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Just I speed it up. One yeah. Of, one of the um, questions I had, uh, like, I'm not a vocalist myself, so this is coming from a drummer. Um, I just, I just wanted to know your opinion on like uh, your ability to change uh, your your vocals based on when you're on stage. So when you're performing and and jumping around and stuff with a lot of energy, which you know I've seen from various videos, um, bro. Like, how do you control? your vocals because when you're in the studio you have a much more controlled environment you can you have a lot um, more time too you can, yeah, you can do a you shit can, take yeah. you can redo takes and all of this kind of stuff but when the adrenaline's pumping and you're out on stage and stuff how do you balance the adrenaline and the the, the want to run and jump around versus like hey i need to control my vocal performance enough like is what's the balance like for that oh that that's another great question so i like when I first started doing vocals, like I said, it was definitely not as good as I am now. So if I wanted to record a song, I would spend all day on that song, like just take after take after take. And over time, I kind of realized I don't have to practice as much because I'm spending hours singing while I'm trying to get the perfect take. And that made it a lot easier for me to sing on pitch and to control my screams because 
I had done it so much and hit these pitches so many times and gone into these screams that I'm like, I don't have to rev up to it anymore. I don't have to think about it. It just became muscle memory. So then you kind of fast forward a few more years. Obviously, like I'm an athlete. I go to the gym like crazy and just like I really I have really good endurance when it comes to muscle fatigue and just like nice. my cardiovascular health and stuff like that. So I can do a lot more on stage compared to the average person because I'm so healthy. You know, a lot of, especially in America, a lot of people here are just like super overweight and they drink all the time, <laughs> just smoke yeah, all the time. Right. I don't partake yeah. in that stuff. Australia, Australia is right behind bro. you guys. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like if you're overweight and you're smoking all the time and you're drinking all the time, you're not going to be able to go nuts the whole set. But like I said, I have a ton of energy too. So that kind of couples on that. But like in the studio, I typically try to treat it as close to a live performance as I can. Like if I really, really fuck something up, I'm like, okay, like we'll go and retract that part. But I don't like just like punching one part. Like I'm like, let me just redo the whole verse or like, let me redo the verse to the chorus. Cause there's something, I don't know. There's something like disingenuous about it when you just go like, line by line yeah. versus a vocalist that. that like starts the song gets into it and goes as long as they can until they fuck up and yeah. then it's like this is all the raw real take in the moment and then you know if you fuck up then you can pick it up from there and the energy will change a little bit but my whole goal as a vocalist and as a performer um I, when I was in college, I took a lot of like theater stuff and I was like in plays and like did a lot of stuff like that. And you only get one take. Like if you forget your line, that's it. So that mentality kind of went over to being a vocalist for me where I was like, okay, if I'm going to do a one take, it's not going to be a pre-recorded thing with me lip syncing. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the take. If I fuck up, I fuck up. If it's yeah. real bad, we'll leave it. If it's like, I mean... Like there's only so much you can do, but that's also what makes it sound so good when I perform live because the expectation people get from the studio albums and the mm. one takes, that's what I can do. Yeah. It's just jumping around more. Yeah. And I guess to answer your other question, a lot of that, like how crazy can I go before it affects my vocals was just trial and error. Like I start, yeah. I started singing in Tala when I was, it was like 2018. And I remember the first few shows I did find myself like pushing way too hard because I was out of breath. And the more out of breath you are, the more you have to push because you stuff. start to lose breath support and the high notes get harder. So you start like overcompensating for that. And then I noticed there were parts where I had like really long aggressive rap stuff, but I was like jumping around too much. So I was out of breath and I was cutting myself off and I would like listen to, uh, you know, some of those like bands from the nineties, like Slipknot. And I'd be like, man, Corey Taylor sounds really good, but he sounds so out of breath. And I don't like that. How do I avoid that? So it just became this like balance of trial and error where it was like, okay, now I know I can do this during this song, but this song's way harder. So I kind of need to chill out during this song and try to do something else with my hands or whatever, instead of just like, ah! yeah. <laughs> I literally write my breaths in with my vocals. I don't know if other people do that. I, I teach like a little slash. Hey, yeah, yeah. Like I'll write, like when I'm writing the lyrics, I'll literally be like, I'm going to breathe here. I'm going to breathe there. I'm going to, I know exactly when I finish a sentence, when I have a spot for a breath. Cause sometimes I might start the next bar on a half beat, like on the mm -hmm. off beat. And it gives me a little, <gasps> gives me a little chance to kind of get a bit of a breath in. Um, 
yeah, I teach that to a lot of people. Like when when I'm not as not an actual teaching, but when I'm just chatting to other vocalists, that's like, super should, intelligent. Because people forget, people just they just wing it, and then they breathe in different spots. I'm like, if you know you're gonna take a breath there, it helps with your confidence as well. And I like the one take stuff you do too because it 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 me and Jordan do this all the time when we re, when we track vocals with other people when we're doing clients and stuff is that. They'll do that punch and shit, but then if you're not actually good at recreating that tone that you have, it sounds, it sounds weird. In. It's yeah. like it sounds like you're stopping and starting. And if you just have the transitions, like the way that you breathe from ending a note and you and you feel the breath support going into the next, and you have that bit of a it's not even a, a sound. It's like, oh, it's a sound. It's not like a vocal technique. It's just the sound of your voice transitioning out into another. <laughs> and you might even transition from a chest voice to a to a head voice or you know a, a false chord to a fry or whatever it may be the tr- the sound of the actual transition itself should go in the song it shouldn't yeah. just sound like the fry the false chord ends and then now the fry you starts can't really fake that yeah it's no, weird yeah, yeah. so i I'm think like, that's yeah. also part of the reason i do all the one take stuff is because i suck at that replication i know when i was like trying to record myself a lot I would be like, okay, I got this part. I like this part. Let me try to punch it in. And then I'd be listening back and I'm like, well, when I did the first part, it sounds like I'm here. And when I did the second part, well, now it sounds like I'm over here. Mm, so then yeah. I try to recreate that. And I'm like, well, when I did the first person, my, my voice was a little bit higher yep. or I did it a little breathier or maybe I was like having a little bit more angst. And I was like, I can't punch this in. Like, it just sounds like shit. So it turned into, let me just redo the whole verse. And that turned into, well, let me do the first half of the song. And then, you know, after years of doing this, it turned into, well, let me just do the whole thing in one take because that's as raw as it's going to get. And it's way easier. But I mean, when it comes to like albums, I don't always do that. Like one takes, it's got to be one take. Live, obviously, it's got to be one take. But in the studio, if I'm like, if I get a perfect performance and I just fuck up the end, I'm like, all right, let me, let me re-roll it back to the verse and sing from there, try to match the exact same energy and then hit that at the end. And then I'm like, okay, it's close enough. But a lot of the times I'll get pissed and I'll just be like, why couldn't I just do (laughs) it? Yeah. And then, um, on the topic of your energy on stage, like we were saying before, obviously there's nothing worse than a vocalist who looks bored on stage and you're like <laughs> so – like your energy is like incredible. So how did, how did you go about developing like a stage presence that's unique to you? Oh, that's a freaking awesome question. <laughs> Thank you. So – I'd say I definitely, when I first started, I was one of those super boring vocalists. I'm pretty sure there's videos online. Like in my first band, it was my first show ever. I'm just like playing guitar and just like screaming. And it just looks like, it looks like I'm a robot. It's so just like, it just sucks. And I didn't break out of that probably until I was like 23 when I did this like Rise Against cover and I was like, I, you know what? Fuck it. I don't, I don't care if people think I look stupid. Like, let me just like, whatever happens, happens. And I remember I just started moving around a little bit and getting into it and just like letting it happen. And I watched it back and I was like, this is the best performance I've ever done. How can I do this better? And I know as a teenager, obviously, uh, Maynard James Keenan was like my idol. So just watching the way he moved on stage, I was like, how can I take that concept, but like make it my own? Cause obviously I don't want to copy him. I don't want people to be like, Oh, he's mm. just, trying to be like Maynard I'm like I just like how he like 
I don't know. He would just like stand a certain way and have like a certain posture and a look to him. And you're just like, dude, it looks like he's going to like kill someone. <laughs> it's this. And then oddly enough, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, the agony scene. They're like a metalcore band from like the two thousands, but I finally got to see, they were one of my favorite bands as a teenager. I finally I got to the see them live. You've heard, you heard of them? I think I might've heard of the name. It sounds I might've shared yeah. some star. I might've covered it on a stream or something, but Maybe. Okay. they, um, I got to see them for the first time when I was like 29. So I, I, they're older obviously, but I remember just looking at the vocalist and being like, dude, he's like, just got this really commanding presence just, and he wasn't even like doing that much, but he didn't look boring. Like he looked like you have to look at me yeah. and that was enough. And I feel like Maynard has kind of the same vibe going on. Um, David Draymond kind of does it too. There's certain vocalists where they don't have to jump around and do front flips. They just have this presence that like commands attention. Captivating. And I'm yeah. like, I don't really have that, but I can get it if I jump around and move around because then it's like, you're just going like this <laughs> and it's just like, oh, why, how did he get, why is he hanging from the thing? So I'm like, okay, I do enough of that, but I'm actually, I know as I get older, I'm not going to be able to do that forever. You know, I'm not going to be like 50 years old doing front flips on stage. Like I'll break my ankles. So I definitely am hoping that eventually I can get that like Maynard vibe where I could just like, just suck people in without really doing much, but still not look like boring. Yeah. Mm, there's something to be said about like the, translation of like your songs and the the words that you're saying and the way you say it that can really like captivate the audience and I think like that also translates when you're in the studio as well so like I don't know like you said when you, you treat it like a one take like you are performing live then that that actually comes out on the record like you're thinking about what the lyrics are saying and what emotions they evoke when you're actually saying it like if you're mm -hmm. you feel like you're going crazy you've got to scream or sing like you're going crazy like that's that really makes the song mm. feel like it's it's written and sung in that way it makes it feel authentic and when especially when you believe it and we we said a lot with people that we have come and record here they'll they just say the lyrics oh, i i i don't know about you but i hate when people read their fucking phone while they while they do <laughs> that's lyrics. a huge pet peeve <laughs> it's one of those things if i'm watching a video know the song bitch <laughs> that's part of the reason i haven't uploaded on my cover channel in so long because i'm like i already sang all the covers i know like yeah i'd, I'd have to learn more and it, one thing i cannot stand is exactly what you said you're watching like somebody do a cover online and you're watching their eyes and you just see them doing this and you're like he's reading from a goddamn <laughs> you can just no, tell like yeah, it no, sucks the song, their attention man. And especially when it's your original music too. It's like you don't even know your own original music. <laughs> like, bro, hold up. Like, and then it's going to help with the performance when you, when you resonate with the song, when you know the song, you know what it means. You wrote the lyrics yourself or you wrote them as a band and you're like, wow, this, this is the, the meaning of the song, right? Even if it's mm -hmm. not meaningful, even if it's a song about partying and getting lit – then get lit in the studio. Get like yeah. get into it, bro. Like <laughs> I love that. Like like embody what the song is. And I think you've done this a lot in your covers, which is probably the reason why your channel did blow up the way it did. Because I remember when I first started watching you, you were in like a suit and tie and shit, and I was like, "What the fuck is this motherfucker?" <laughs> like, he's in a suit and tie, and then the song would start, and you're just like, 
fucking like going like, and I'm like, oh, he's, he's this motherfucker's about to, he's about to pop off. Do and that again. You just, <laughs> hey, this motherfucker clips me too much, so I gotta be careful. But it's like you're so captivating. And then you're letting your personality come out. I think that happens on stage too, especially with the vocal style being so sporadic. It's like rap and metal. And like, that's what I like about a lot, um, a lot of, you know, Tyler's music. It's, it's got that kind of hip hop influence, but it's still heavy metal as well. And it's just like yeah. being sporadic with the syllables and really like, you know, like chopping it up as well as your stage performance being like fucking like you're in a straitjacket and you're like just got out of a mental <laughs> fucking institute and you're like, who let this cut on stage? So it's good. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'd say that a lot of that has to do with what Max writes for the instrumentals because obviously like the crazier the instrumental is, I'm like, I have to match that. Like I practice a lot and I notice when I practice like my hungry light stuff I don't do that like I have a more theatrical stage mm. presence and a more like epic and I'm like it's more like like distraught because that's a different character it's not that crazy manic like I'm gonna come into your house and rip you apart like that's Tala energy the hungry lights energy is so different and I'm like I've tried messing with it too. And I'm like, let me like see what happens if I move around the way I did in Tala. And I'm like, no, it just feels wrong. It doesn't feel like this character would do that. It just like the the music has a different groove to it. Even if the tempos are faster, I'm like, it's, it's the way that those instrumentals hit is so different. And I just try to match that like all the time. It's so important. So so you, oh, and then I was going to say, um, Jumping off something you said a little while ago about the breaths. Um, when I write my lyrics, I don't necessarily think about where the breaths go as much as I treat it like it's part of the lyrics, like it's a percussive thing. So a lot of the times, mm. like it's part of the song. Like there's this part in, a, I think it's like Murder Seed or something where there's a part where I just go like, yeah, yeah. because it's part of the song and i'm like i have to do that if i don't it feels weird it's part of the lyrics yeah 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 no that's that that's definitely something i've noticed in the music um, of like oh i can hear him like and then i want to and, and it's like it's like oh yeah it's like it really does it's like percussive you're right it's like a it's a percussive vocal it's i don't mm -hmm. know anyone that does that and it creates that, that might energy. be something only you do i don't know if anyone really oh, no there's no way of, i'm not that innovative <laughs> i don't know man i've never heard of anyone everybody breathes like, man yeah but they you when like, editing like, you go like crossfade <laughs> yeah true i, I, I think out. that also is why um i don't take them out and i think uh I don't know. It's bit me in the ass a few times. Like I get so many comments in my covers or in my originals where they're like, I really enjoy this, but I, I this guy's just breathing in my ear all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, but like, that's what it's going to sound like live. Yeah. Like I'm not going to yeah. be like delivering a line and be like, <gasps> and then come back and like, <laughs> turn away every time. Yeah. Like when you're that's doing so it good. that fast, you have to <gasps> and do these gasps because it's like, I need to have full capacity at all yeah. times or it's not going to hit the way it needs to they're hit. No, they're noticeable and people <laughs> very are so, noticeable. And people are used to clean. So like the music is so edited these days. Yeah. We're going to like, I won't get into it now because we'll talk for ages, but the, the, the AI stuff that's coming to production and oh my uh, God. Yeah. yeah, man, it's bad. Like, 
even FL Studio, what I'm using at the moment, has got all these new features. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't even have to know anything. I can just click a button and it'll just master the song for me. It's like, what do you, What are you doing? It's like, not as fun. No. Yeah. That definitely turned me off covers for a while too because I'm like, dude, why would I take the time to learn how to sound like Will Ramos or Alex Terrible and cover one of those songs and be kind of close to it and have people go, whoa, when now you can just type in, like, I'd like to hear Alex Terrible AI singing you know blind by corn and then the ai does it for you and it's just like okay that's gonna get a billion views and mine's gonna get like thirty thousand. but i actually took the time to learn it i cannot (laughs) stand that ai shit there was was a song that came out recently that blew up and it was like plankton from spongebob singing a plankton yeah it was like a song in the style of bring me the horizon yeah and you listen to it and you're (laughs) like this does sound like a bring me the horizon song and it does sound like plankton but i'm just like but it's not real like it's a computer made this like i don't care about it there's no life in it yeah, exactly. I feel like my my intuition is that like there is something kind of essential about human creativity that may not be able to be replicated. So it may be able to take us along like a, all these places where you can kind of redo covers of things that are already out there and stuff like that. But I think it might hit a wall in terms of creativity. That's just my personal feeling. I, I don't know whether you, you think that they can surpass us in musical creation or not. But oh, I don't think they can surpass us. Definitely not. I feel like I, they can yeah. imitate it somewhat. Yeah, yeah. They, can, they can copy it, but like it's a computer. It can only do what you tell it to do. Yeah. And I recently watched this really, really interesting video. I cannot remember whose channel it was on. It was like a random video I recommended, but it was about actual artists versus AI art. And it was showing this super famous painting. I forget what it was, but it it was like something about lightning coming down from the sky and like killing people and it was nuts. And then they compared like an AI version of it. And you look at the AI version and you're like, this is good. It's visually appealing. But when you look at the real one and you notice all these tiny little details that have meaning, a computer can't replicate that. It can only do what it tells you to do. It can't have this like crazy like dichotomy that the human mind can be like, this represents this. So I'm going to have it do this and make it this color because it means this and it makes you feel like this. Computer's just like, okay, you want me to do this, 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 and this. Boom, there you go. Yeah, it's got the consciousness yeah. behind it. You can, you, the human connection, the same thing that music has, like frequencies and the way that you perform the song. It's like you can hear something and, and have an emotion is stored inside you that's like it's through sound. It's also, sound yeah, it's, yeah it's the same same thing I think about like when everyone grids up their music perfectly. It's like if you mm-hmm. have a little bit of imperfection in your music, it sounds more human. It sounds exactly. better. It's like when it's so perfectly lined up and perfectly done to a to mm-hmm. an algorithm, then it's it's just it sounds too good or too polished and it's for it's whatever uh, reason it, yeah. That's what I like. I tell people if you're gonna do MIDI drums, I'm like track it to the grid. And then take everything and move everything slightly off. Have some parts where you like literally like, here's this snare, turn it down so much that it almost sounds like the drummer fucked up if it was a real drummer. Like make it sound like a real person. Because if you're doing MIDI drums and then you put that time into like making it 
fake or like or not making it fake but like making it not sound fake you take all this time to move it off the grid and turn everything down individually Velocity well at that too, point yeah. you're like well now a drummer did play it sort of yeah in yeah. my head that's how i do it i'll just kind of like think about how i'm gonna play it and go well that double on my foot isn't gonna be as powerful so you have to bring it down and i'm probably not gonna get that perfectly on grid so slide the second one a little bit closer and then like you say mm -hmm. i don't want every snare to sound like the exact same sample, sample. Yeah. just like yeah i you i move it around the sample things i'm like all right this part uh, i'm like if i was a drummer maybe i messed up and i hit it more towards the edge near the rim and then yes. there's parts where i'm like because like i drum i'm not a great drummer but i can you know i can play like rock and roll shit <laughs> like three doors <laughs> down in like 10 years yeah. but like i think about okay if this was a snare roll, it's not going to be everything brrr, the same exact yeah. velocity. I'm like, if I was going to hit this, the first one would probably be really hard and then it would taper off. And then I would realize it was tapering off and the last one would probably have more energy. Like it would be almost like a U. So I'm yeah. like all my snare velocities. I'm like, well, let me make that U shape because that's how I would do it. Nice. That's yeah. really cool. A cool thing you do as well is when you write MIDI, you'll write it and then you'll go and actually learn it on the kit and then you'll come back and be like, oh, I, I, I thought I could program that, but when I actually play it for real, yeah. I have to change mm -hmm. it. And then, yeah, and then very different. Or something else. Like I've just yeah. made that really difficult for and myself. Think, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really cool because it's very easy to get carried away with a computer program. <laughs> be like, I'm going to have blast beats with perfect <laughs> symmetry on the friggin' everything and you're going to be like, no, I can't play that. Um and make it realistic. So that's really cool mm -hmm. as well. It's important. There was this video I did. It was for uh, Jared Dines. Uh, I think it was his second contest. And it was like he supplied guitar and you had to do like a vocal thing over it or you had to do a drum thing over it or you had to write a guitar solo over the guitar, guitar solo section. And his whole goal was he wanted to have the best guitarist, the best drummer, and the best vocalist and throw them all into one song and see what happened. But I entered as all three at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I had programmed the drums and then I was like, all right, now I have to play it. But I was like, but I don't have drum mics. So I have to perfectly play what I played in the MIDI to make it like look like I'm playing it, right? And... I remember by the time like 12 hours of me trying to get this went by, I had changed so much of the MIDI because I'm like, I literally can't fucking play this. And I was like, <laughs> let me take this kick out. Let me take this ride cymbal out. Let me yeah. change this fill because I keep fucking this fill up. So I needed to be simpler. And I was just like, that's really what started making me think about drums from a drummer perspective instead of like a guitarist perspective because I was like, I literally can't play this. Yeah, yeah, you can always tell when a guitarist has written the drum part. But yeah, it's funny. Whenever I send an idea to Jordan, because I'll write MIDI drums, but I'm a guitarist and a vocalist, so I'll just write just a drum beat, like a basic in my head. And then like Jordan's always like the drums. He'll always analyze the drums. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like. It sounds cool. <laughs> I'll have like, like three yeah, you can hit the, the china and the snare and all these toms at the exact same yeah, like time. Yeah, like Jordan has eight arms, like he's an octopus, yeah. just yeah. hitting all these things, like two <laughs> double kicks going. What are you doing? Like, anyway, that's pretty. That funny. actually happened in a uh, uh, the Tala song Placenta. I don't know if it's still in there, but the EP version, um, the guy who mixed it, like put the I think he put china symbols in the beginning, and. I remember one time I noticed Max wasn't 
hitting those. And I was like, yo, why aren't you doing it? Like it's on the album. And he's like, I didn't, there is no China the way I played it. He's like, I would need three arms to play that. And it's just like in that version, I think they took it out of the Matrifigy version. I could be wrong, but like live, he's just like, no, I literally can't do that. (laughs) He's like, my hands are doing this over here. I can't also do this at the same time. Yeah. That's but, the same. Yeah, same kind of thing can go into when you're doing, um, you know, DI with guitars. You can you can chop up the DI and make it all insane. But if you don't actually play it for real, then mm. you know it's not going to sound right. So yeah, you can you can do it with vocals. I've noticed so many vocalists Layers. rely on Studio Layers. Magic. Layers. Yeah, and then they uh, can't do it live. And they're, I don't know if they're too prideful to take lessons and work on it, but they're like, hey, why don't we just backtrack this? And then they lip sync it. And it's just like, so I complained to Brody about this like once a week. I'm just like, (laughs) he'll send me videos and be like, hey, is this real? And I'll listen to it and be like, no, it's definitely lip syncing. And I, I don't know. I guess it's different when you're in the moment live, but when you hear it back in a recording, it's so obvious. Like the vocalist- sounds like it's a live mic and then all of a sudden the chorus hits and everything's like way higher quality and perfectly eq'd and you're just like that's fake me and jordan did a youtube reaction video to this like a few months ago and we were grabbing all of these bands um and it's it's very hard because you walk the line between shit talking right people think you're talking trash it's like no we're just we're musicians we're analyzing it and we're just (laughs) analyzing jesus like thank you holy crap because me and jordan like sometimes we get words or people think we're talking shit we're like no we're just analyzing right so but same kind of thing where i can't even remember what band it was um well actually it was a bunch of bands and then he didn't move from like the mic position but he went to like a belt and the all, all these layers came in the background and the volume didn't change and then he went back like like he was singing and the volume was still exactly the same like if you do that on a live mic it's gonna be like uh, uh, like it's gonna like have that volume change and he pulled right back yeah and the volume there are was so many perfect. that do it it's insane. I won't, I won't name names because I don't want to name drop people and be that guy. But I've watched <laughs> yeah. a lot of very, very famous metal musicians do stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, you know, mic gain, If even if you have like a super expensive mic, it's like you can't crank up the gain to be heard from back here mm. while you've got all this live drum shit and amps behind, behind you. It's going to feed back like crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, so it's, like what, when I'm live... You always see it like this because I'm like, if I don't do this, it sounds like I'm over here now. Yeah. It's like you have – that's the whole point of those handheld dynamic mics. You have to be right in front of it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's disappointed me so many times seeing people that I like look up to and then seeing them lip sync and I'm like, come on. Like no. the B, B flat, dude. That's why I love watching Northlane play because you hear Marcus live and I know it's him live. I've heard him slightly be off key sometimes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, like that's, I love that. Yeah. You're that's singing. the point. It, he's good. Yeah, dude. It's sick. Like, um, yeah. I remember, I'm, I, I always say Freddie Mercury was one of the best vocalists to ever live. You watch like that Live Aid performance and he's like 97% accurate. Like his voice cracks a couple times, but you're like, that guy was that good. And Maynard's another one, especially when he was at his prime, like he was that good. Mm. And that's how I definitely strive to be. I don't think I'm there yet, but like, I have definitely had shows where I'm listening and I was like, dude, that song was perfect. And I'm like, so proud of myself. I get off stage and then I'm like, you know, 
weeks go by and I'm like, I hope someone uploaded that. And then no one did. And I'm, <laughs> but they uploaded like the, the one where I fucked up and I had like COVID and everyone's <laughs> dead. I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> one thing I've so, noticed yeah. bro, about you is like, it's in this conversation is like, you're, you're very analytical or like you, you're talking about being analytical of yourself and of your abilities and your skills. And like you're saying, oh yeah, I, then I thought, oh, how can I recreate this? Or how can I get better at that? And um I've just noticed that, that that's kind of like something that really seems to pop up a lot in people that are doing really well for themselves at their instrument. And maybe the people that aren't so analytical are happy to just go up and have this, you know, pre-done sound or whatever. They're just happy to sound good. They don't need to think too far into it. Um, do you find that like, you know, that's a natural thing for you? Just like really just trying to dive deep into how and self why and, and self you know just self-improvement and things like yeah so that come naturally to you because like i feel like some people it just doesn't and then like we're always analyzing what we're doing and just it's a going big thing we like do. and and um reverse engineering other people and and mm -hmm. successful people and just saying like oh, how do they do that and what are they doing good here and what could they improve on and like that's that's comes naturally to us but i've found that it's not everybody that that's the case yeah, I know for me, I've definitely been that way like ever since I was a kid, like when I was learning guitar or if I was like, I don't know, just doing anything in school that involved like like I did track. If anything was like I'm doing it this way and I see someone else doing it better than me, I'm like, what are they doing different? Obviously, genetics are going to come into play, but I'm like, how can I get as close to that as possible? I, not to sound arrogant, but I do think one of the reasons that I am such a good vocalist now is because I was trying to sound like these perfect studio vocalists that I grew up with. And then years later, I find out that it was all, you know, like magic punched in and magic and tons and tons of layers. I think I was talking about uh, talking to Brody about this. Like when I record, I use one layer. Like I don't yeah. do... 30 vocal layers. I'm like, this is my main vocal track. I record that. And then if there's a spot where I'm like, you know what? I could do like a low scream under that. I'll do that. But like, I don't know. I just, I want, I want it to sound like me. And yeah. if there's all these layers, it's like, well now if you don't have those layers live, people are going to be like, why does he suck live? Well, mm. cause you don't have the 10 layers. Yeah. And then bands figured out, well, we can put those 10 layers in if we play to a click and backtrack it. Mm. And then it's like, okay, well, is that even you? How do you have your own sound guy? Is he turning down the mic? Am I just hearing the backing tracks? Cause there are very famous musicians out there who will be like, I'm not lip syncing. And I'm like, I know your mic is live. The but back just, tracks are way so louder loud. than you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you're not lip, but we, oh. they like weasel their way through. They're like, I'm yeah, not man. lying. I'm not lip syncing. It's like, yeah. I know it's the back tracks. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, uh, yeah. We're, we're very much on the same wavelength, dude. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we use back and tracks here. It just sort of is, but we use sound effects, 808 mm -hmm. drops, white noise, fade in, synths, crashes, synths. Mm -hmm. Just stuff that just goes in the background, but the vocals alive, the drums alive, the guitars alive. People That's how backing, it should always be. Exactly, and 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 I feel like backing tracks have gotten so fucking ridiculous now. I've heard about people faking solos, guitar yeah, solos. Yeah. 
Bro, that that means that's there that's either. ridiculous. And, yeah. Put, yeah. and putting double kicks in the back. Yeah, like, oh, like yeah. there's triggered drums and stuff as bad enough as it is having drums mm-hmm. that are like, you know, they're doing these crazy fast double kicks and you're like, it's a computer that's just like quantizing it, man. Exactly. Like, it's like bro. that's not what it sounds like. That's why I love Max. Like Max He's hits incredible. so fucking hard. I can't tell you how many times I get hit with broken drumsticks and I'm like, you just <laughs> broke one like a verse ago. What are you doing? <laughs> and it's it so funny. Funny because he's Max Portnoy. You know, everyone knows who his dad is. Yeah. But when you look at Max's kit, it's trashed. All his symbols are cracked and chipped off. And I'm just like, dude, your dad is Mike Portnoy. Buy a new symbol. Yeah. And he's just yeah. like, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gives a character yeah. man too, like I guess. He like- just does not care. He um it was like two, three tours ago. Um, we were playing a show. And I noticed that the kicks started sounding really weird. And I was like looking at him and he just like shrugs at me. After the show, he goes, oh yeah, I put a hole in my kick drum because he was kicking so hard. It just like eventually just like burned a hole into the kick drum. And I was like, Max, calm down. (laughs) Stop breaking shit. (laughs) It gets expensive real quick. You're costing the band a fortune. (laughs) But that's how, that's how it should be. Every instrument, like every vocalist, guitars, drums, it's just like if you're doing it for real, things should break. Your voice should get tired. Like, you obviously you shouldn't lose your voice, but like at the end of the set, you should not sound as good as you did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I always tell my students, I'm like, like I'll pull up like any performance and I'm like, listen to how I started versus how I ended. It still sounds good, but you can hear my high notes are a little bit more strained. You can hear my vo- like screams are a little bit more dry because my voice is tired. I've been doing it for an hour straight without a break and that's how it should be. So yeah. when you hear a vocalist that sounds exactly the same, chances are there's something else going on that's not all them. I've even found when you play guitar, like I got a lot better at guitar when I started really playing it, like really picking the string, like getting that. Yeah, get sound. into I'm it. Like, wow, it's like that really, really makes a difference. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same important. with drums. I'm, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Like when I first started drumming, I looked so stiff because I was like, I need to play in time. Everything had to be this, and then eventually you're just good. like, dude, I can hit this and make a face and just like. And it sounds so much better. We, and again, we, that's AI can't copy that. That's no, no, being a human we, right um, there. I got we got footage of our first show that we played. Um, and yeah, we thought we would like doing all this crazy stuff and then we went back and watched it like Jordan's playing the drums like this I'm just standing there and I thought I was like doing all this and I might literally have a little head nod going on I was like Mm -hmm. oh crap like I thought I was so that was fun to watch that back and realize you really have to be theatrical you have to overact um yeah that's our drummer brought that up Um, I think it was after a couple shows when I first joined the band like I was all set because like I took acting classes and stuff like that, but he had to tell some of the other people. He's like, you can't do nuance on stage. It does not translate well unless it's like if you're a vocalist and you're like, like I said, like Maynard and you just have this commanding presence, then yeah, the nuance will translate. But a lot of the time it's like you think you're doing something, but if you're not actually like like there's people they'll like you know go like this and it's like no go like this like really put your whole everything into it then people are gonna see it and the bigger the stage gets the harder it is to see that i I remember reading a comment it was on a 
someone like uploaded our, I think it was Aftershock or Louder Than Life performance, and they were like, the big stage does not do this band justice. When you see them in a small venue where it's just fucking chaos, then you know how insane these guys are really going. But when it's this giant stage where everyone's all spaced out, it's mm. like, well, it doesn't really look like anyone's doing anything because you can't really see it. It's too spaced out. We'd yeah, have to do, move even more. And I talk about this in my vlogs all the time. When I play festivals, it's harder than when I play like those little stages. Like, yeah. like I could play for an hour and a half on a little stage. I will be more exhausted playing for 20 minutes on a big stage because you are moving around more and trying to really show, hey, I'm moving. You're throwing your voice all the way out to like the crowd and you're just like, holy shit, I am so tired and we're only like <laughs> a half a song into this. And it's the middle of the day in the sun or something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can't wait until Tala gets big enough that we get to play at, like, 7 o'clock yeah. after yeah. the sun goes down. I think our Aftershock set was, like, one thirty or something, and I was just like, dude, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard enough seeing a band live when it's that hot. Like, sit in the audience, let alone actually being on stage, giving it your all. Like, it must be oh, exhausting. Yeah. yeah. At, at Aftershock, when I saw um, Bad Omens, it was so funny because there's this giant open field, and then there's everyone over here in the shade so i was like i can go stand over here and see the band and no one else wants to but um i i had an umbrella you're not supposed to bring umbrellas but like as an artist you can get away with stuff like that so i just had this umbrella and i'm just like dude i get this whole area to myself and i can just watch the band because no one wants to stand in the sun yeah (laughs) that's so good bro um we might um we might try and wrap this up we're gonna we're gonna have a little chat Firstly, about a couple of things that you do so we can plug uh, some of your things. Um, do okay. you want to tell us, we've just recently, today, if, if the episode drops today, we've just seen um, a trailer for a new show that you're a part of. Do you want to just oh, briefly yeah. go into... We talked into, about it in the first take. Yeah. But. Do you want to briefly just go into uh, what that is and, and we can plug that as well for you? Yeah, sure. So this was uh, back in July of this year. Um, Jared Dines, he hosted this reality show that he's making and it's called musician mansion so it drops november 3rd um that's when the first episode comes out it's going to be a whole season i don't know how many episodes and i don't know when he's going to release them after the premiere but he we filmed it in july and we he was editing it for like no lifing it for all those months and then finally finished it like a week ago and he's like it's going live in November. So we're all stoked. I haven't seen it. None of us have. So when we saw the teaser that went up today, all of us were like, oh my God, it looks so good. (laughs) I lived through it. It looks so good. It was the most fun I ever had in my entire life. (laughs) I I just made a video about how I lost my voice. Um, It was like Mm -hmm. a seven day event. And I lost my voice on the first day because I was just talking and yelling and just like was so excited. I'm super extroverted. I just wanted to talk to everyone. I wanted to make everyone laugh. And by the end of the day, I was just like, dude, my voice really hurts right now. And then (laughs) I was getting like three hours of sleep. So next day it didn't get much better. And it just progressively gets worse throughout the series. And I was like, this is so ironic because like, I'm the guy that's like, you have to pay attention to your vocal health. (laughs) And then meanwhile, everyone's watching me. They're like, Justin's just losing his voice more and more. But when I have to do stuff involving my screams and stuff, it still sounds fine. But then you hear me talk and I'm just like, 
All right, guys, we're really going to try this. Yeah, it's bad. And then, like, I, I was filming other people. Other people were, like, like non-vocalists. Like, Nick Nocturnal lost his voice one of the days, and he's just like, it's because I won't shut up. And I'm like, that's what happened to me. I won't shut up. <laughs> but um, it's, like, 15 super popular, like, metal musicians from YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever their respective uh, social media platform is. Jared reached out to all of them. He reached out to more, but like we're the 15 people that said we wanted to be there. And all I can really say about it is that we're in this gigantic freaking mansion for a week together. And we had to compete against each other for like the prizes. And it's absolutely insane. There's like a bunch of vocalists, bunch of drummers, bunch of guitarists. There were like no bassists, and that was probably <laughs> the funniest part. Like, yeah. Every <laughs> I think they tried, and he was busy or something. A lot of people were just busy at the time, but yeah, um, oh, there are no bass players. All, all <laughs> the bass players, like on the show, are guitarists. Guitarists that were, like, who play bass. They, yeah. they got demoted to bass because three guitarists, no bass, or someone yeah. gonna do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. That sounds exciting. That's exciting. Though, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. Yeah. That's good. Jared it's Jones really good. A, he's such a hard worker. That guy's always grinding. Eh? Yeah, he's a hard worker, and he's also easily one of the nicest people that I've ever met. Honestly, yeah. I'll say this. All the people there, like the camera crew, all the cast, everyone there was so nice. There was not yeah. a single bad egg. Yep. And the other cool thing is it's all unscripted. So there's like some drama that happens in a couple times and it's just like, it just happened. And we're like, dude, no one's going to believe you this. Like, <laughs> I was, uh, I could just see you being involved, instigating. I wasn't really, I, I'd say I definitely instigated some of the things. Yeah. Like I wasn't like, you know, I didn't do anything like that. Like I was more like, like the cartoon character, like, Hey, I'm going to do this and let me be ridiculous ridiculous here like I was like the wild card but there were times when I heard there was drama and I'm like yo you should do this and, <laughs> and, and the then it got on the worse. shoulder <laughs> <laughs> that's so yeah, it was it was it's a really good show super professional we're really excited and the biggest plug I want to say is that the better the show does the more likely they are to do season 2 which course, would be awesome. yeah. Even better, be from so what cool. I understand, Jared will want to bring a lot of the cast back and probably get even more people on it. And obviously, if the show does really well Why and gets more popular, bigger names could be on it. Like you are, you know, he's friends with like Howard Jones and like yeah. Matt Heafy. So it's like, if people see like, hey, this show does really freaking well, more people are going to want to be a part of it. And then you might end up with like, you know, battle of the bands happening where like actual bands Dude. are showing up and like. Doing yeah. crazy it's shit. such a good idea. Instead of it being solo people, like you bring a full band and have full bands like doing fun um, act, uh, challenges against other bands. And that's dope. it'd be that's so a good cool. Idea. I would watch that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where he goes with it. Because again, the better it does, the, uh, the more money it's going to make next time. So the bigger the budget. And then it's like you can go probably go to other places like you just never know what's going to happen and also this uh, season one it was sponsored by distro kids sweetwater and i think liquid death Yo. so it's like even for season one we got these huge Damn sponsors massive. i think sweetwater donated like a shit ton of guitars like wow. it's really really 
it's just going to be awesome. It's next level content. Yeah, that's brilliant. Cool. Yeah, that's so we'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll run it up um, and share all those links because um, we definitely want to yeah. get another season happening. Fill yeah, Jared's pocket as well. Hungry lights. Yeah, November third, and then it's going to be on Jared's channel. Cool. Yeah, cool, awesome. And then what about yourself, bro? You've obviously got your Patreon, and then you've got your vocal lessons and things. Like, uh, is there anything else that you want to to plug at all? <laughs> um. Not really. Like I got my, I got the Patreon course for people who can't afford one-on-one lessons. Um, you know, I make my videos for Hungry Lights, Hungry Covers. Uh, I got my vlog channel, Hungry Buttons, where it's all behind-the-scenes shit. And then obviously, like the band Tala, we're about to go on tour with Left to Suffer. So if you got any American people listening to the podcast, they nice. should yes, check and see we if we're playing near them. Um, like I got other little things, but <laughs> they're not really worth plugging at this point in time, but maybe someday they'll be big enough. Where I'll be like, yeah, check this out too. And check this out too. You, you yeah. have a podcast yourself, don't you? Like you and your friends. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I do. It's, <laughs> it's very, very small. It's just on YouTube. We have like 300 subscribers, but it's called around the clock podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just me and my friend James. And I don't know. It's really not themed. We just talk about whatever, like it's the clock theme. So like every episode is uh, one hour long and every 12 episodes we bring a guest on and then every 24 episodes, that's a season. And in theory, it's like, okay, it'll take you a full day to listen to this whole season. first season yeah. of podcasts. So oh, yeah. it's kind of cool. Yeah. I like it, man. I like it. Well, like, I feel like we could we could have you back on in the future to, to plug a few things. Oh, heck yeah. This has been amazing. The, yeah. the end of the season, just yeah. like recap the show as well as anything else. That'd be cool, man. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. You guys are super chill and it's just been awesome. Thank it you, has, man. Yeah, Thanks, bro. Thank yeah, you. like, so, so again, thank you very much for taking the time out to come and join us today, bro. And um, yeah, we hope we can chat again real soon. For sure. Yeah. Thanks again for the invite. Awesome, bro. Thanks, awesome. man. Thank you. Something to scream about. All right. And that was Justin. And that was an amazing conversation. So many gems there. Um, I could go on. We could talk for that dude for hours. I feel like every guest we have on, we can it be seems like. seems to be a common thing, we just man. like We could just talk for hours. Yeah, exactly. So we try to keep this podcast full of good information and not too long. So, you know, you can actually listen to it in one, one session. So yeah. um, what do you guys have anything to bounce off what was said? Um, personally, I, like I said to him in there, I noticed how analytical he was about everything. And like every question that we threw at him, he was sort of really thinking about how he went through the process of getting to that and breaking down, okay, I'm doing this. So I need to improve here and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So self accountability is so massive and we talk about it so much. If you, if you're a, uh, an active listener of this podcast and you come back for every episode, we talk about critiquing and criticizing yourself and the people that don't make it are the ones that can't take criticism and the ones that can't reflect in the mirror and say, I need to do this better. I need to train here better. I need to do this and that. And when you look at people who are successful, nine times out of 10, they are self-critical and analyze themselves and improve. So Bing, yeah. bang, baggity, totally. boo. So, um, yeah, again, Brody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. On your yeah. first uh, podcast episode. Hopefully yeah. you might be able to join a few more. But yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll learn more about Brody and his skill set on a uh, on another episode. Yeah. But we wanted, we, this one was more about the business side as well as having Justin on. He's a great guest, really knowledgeable, good following, and we just wanted to pick his brain for an hour. So I think we'll do... And uh, um, either the next one or the one after, we'll have a maybe like a an extended uh, housekeeping. We've got episode. two more episodes to round out the year. 
Um, so one of those will most likely be chatting to Brody a little bit more and then we'll see what we can conjure up for the last episode of the year. Uh, but any suggestions? Mystery guest. Yeah, yeah, throw them in, throw them in. We're always keen to hear from people who are listening and any support is appreciated. Sharing the episodes, if you see any clips online, grab them, share them around. It does help more people reach this podcast and learn more things. Thanks, guys. Awesome, thank you. Thanks for watching. See you guys, bye. Bye.